highways were, the highway system was installed in the 50s, I think. Yeah. And it was representative of that time, but mm-hmm. it was a car driving country. Mm-hmm. It made complete sense and it did so much good for transportation of goods from across in terms of bringing large trucks and all of that. This is not 1955. No. And just like 1955 wasn't 1905. Right. We have to be in that now and stop relying on, you know, shit's working away. You know. It's always. It's yeah. always. No, actually, it hasn't always. Right. Of course Before it Before the Industrial Revolution, none of the, none right. until the steam engine came along, there was, it was horse and buggy. Right. 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 So you just, as now, we didn't go out of our way to like slaughter all the horses. No, we paid a lot of Chinese, <laughs> paid a lot of Chinese people way too little. But yeah. To come over here and build yeah. the railroads. Yeah. And then yeah, go, yeah. we don't really are you black? Are you? Well, we only got two cat. We only got two right. boxes, y'all. So actually, y'all, my brain is growing right now. <laughs> yeah, like, I got y'all a third not, group. Y'all not quite white, but you're not <laughs> quite black either. We don't know where to put you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's ridiculous. Right. We're so afraid. So many changes are happening just in the past ten years, but we're still so afraid of change. It's like we can't. We can't just change things. But let's change things. It's like, well, what changes can are we allowed to do and which ones should we be afraid of? Right. I think that's actually what I find so interesting about how, like, the woke culture and cancel culture are going on at the same time that stand-up comedians are also being idolized. Hmm. Like, fighting against, like, well, not necessarily even fighting against, just responding to the energy of a lot of different phrases and words and ideas being um, canceled, in this case, are also... At the same time, people are kind of obsessed with people who navigate that world. Mm-hmm. Something I want to say, because we, we talked a lot about uh, comedy and the, the changing landscape of what's acceptable and what isn't and how comedians navigate navigate that. Something that was interesting is I saw on YouTube, um, there was a, um, a man on the street interview with different people in Japan. And we mm-hmm. talked also about Japan and how polite Jap- Japanese culture is, right, especially right, compared right. to other Asian yeah. cultures. Who will just tell you to your face you're fucking ugly? Yeah, <laughs> you right, need to exactly. Get surgery. No, no, I know because uh, I'm ugly. <laughs> I know what ugly looks like. I see you. <laughs> I see you. <laughs> I see you. <laughs> and I know you're ugly. Right. You're telling me I don't got eyes. <laughs> no, they're right there. They're right. Can you see? Them? They're right. You don't. Hold on. Hold, wait. Hold. Let me pry them open. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> Again, we're going to get on the video, guys. I told you, the least, the we started out the least racist, and now we're just going right we're into back it. To it. We're back to it. We're, we're, we're back in our zone. Right. Um, but, someone on the street uh, was being interviewed by someone, and they were, uh, they were it was a gay, a young gay man, and, and they were talking about, um, you know, if there are any difficulties with the LGBTQ plus community in Japan, and he was like, you mm. know, um... It's not, like, acceptable, quote-unquote, to be gay in Japan, but, like, no one's going to be violent towards you. And the comments were like, what a low fucking bar. So, of course, like, the the first thing as an American you think Ah. is, oh, my God, that's so cool that no one's going to be violent towards you in Japan. And then the comments snapped me back to reality. Uh And I was like, wait a minute, that's a really low fucking bar. Right. Is that... No one's gonna beat you up or kill you for being gay, right? You know right, what right. I mean. Can't expect us to have a calm, like you know, session if you introduce me to your your son or your daughter. Like <laughs> you're you're the partner. Like that's not gonna go well. Yeah, I'm not gonna hit you. Right. Or pull a gun on you. Or right. like in in your and all, right. all manner of uh, sexually assault you. Yeah, we'll just grow uh, apart slowly over a decade where <laughs> you and you and us we're not okay as a family anymore. Yeah, and we'll we disown our daughter or our son. We don't. Yeah, we don't put but your we'll picture on, the, on the refrigerator for Christmas that right. you took 
with your your family. Yeah, you, know? you just don't have them anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was just it was so that it was just so interesting that that in, in America it's like if you just if we were able to separate feelings of hatred or fear from violence, we'd be able to get a lot more done. You know what I mean? But because we keep, it's like so hard to separate that. Non-traumatized violence, like organized, prepared violence, like no, I just, conscious and... I just mean, <laughs> I just mean that if you threaten anyone's sense of normalcy in any way, yeah. it is just expected that violence is to follow in, in America. Oh, well, I first of all don't think that's, I don't know how that's specific to America. Well, okay, maybe no. Well, okay, maybe because because of our gun law. Like, I, are there other countries where where they have? I'm not saying like, of course, there are countries like guns. It, for sure, we own. No, no, we no. own that. But what I'm in saying is that guns. I'm seeing a a an industrialized, supposedly civil right. nation that's right. supposed to be like the pinnacle of progress. Right. We, we don't we don't necessarily have like child militias. We're we're not like we're you know we're not like the sure. like the, like the wars in Congo. You know what that's I mean? A we're really not great way to put it. <laughs> well, first of all, we don't have child militias. What we do have is adults that are children. Yes. <laughs> and have no militia. It's just them. But it's that's them and their spiritually guns. what they're looking for. Yes. Because they didn't figure out what to, like, you know, shoot for in life that really makes them happy. Mm-hmm. And this is, I think, getting into, like, um, I don't know if it's tangential, but gender again, but in terms of, like, straight heterosexual men mm-hmm. and how pervasive our mentality about emotional development and thoughtfulness uh, kind Which of just stays in one spot gay. forever. What you just said is super gay and super feminine. Right, but right, go right. Ahead. <laughs> also, my hand was pointed down. <laughs> When I said it, like, in that sort of gay yeah, way. Yeah, you know, the limp the wrist, wrist. The limp the wrist, wrist was going on like, while I said it. <laughs> yeah. So this is almost better than video, describing Yeah, the just visuals. describing it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but our our sort of, you know, heterosexual male, like, identity kind of that's been pervasive and affected everything else, I think affects the way the society moves as a whole mm-hmm. in terms of not wanting, uh, well, not wanting, allowing and supporting uh, adult children mm-hmm. mentally. Yeah. And that mentality uh, being one of the most common energies you're going to run into that day when you leave your house. Yeah. Whether you are a person of color, a woman, uh, whether you're in any way uh, uh, disadvantaged in getting through society, that's the that specific type of energy, the mm-hmm. one that's like going to be limited in emotional thinking mm-hmm. and not developed and proud of it. Mm-hmm. And also... Um, seeing that state as the pinnacle of life that's where life ends like i i don't i don't tell nobody what what to do i'm i'm going to do what i do and nobody tells me what to do and that's <laughs> what i you know what i mean it's mm-hmm. just very very basic that however that coupled with unfettered access to military style weapons oh you know absolutely. what i mean absolutely. Is, is also like that kind of uniquely and, american and that part especially with the hardware included <laughs> is the most american part of it because there's so many layers to it it's not just how easy it is to get a gun um in in the variety of ways that you can get a gun but the police departments who have been uh, inheriting uh, uh buying you know used military equipment off of those mm-hmm. off the military in towns that have no business owning tanks or anything similar to them mm-hmm. with small populations. And then you have this energy that is all about not developing emotionally, using a lot of dangerous hardware, and 
what's the job in town that gives you a pension where you don't have to make decisions for 30 years? Mm -hmm. You don't have to make a single decision. Just show up every day. And I don't know how else to say it, but people will sort of thank you for your service, mm. you know, because you're doing a job that's dangerous. So you don't have to, you don't have to think about, do I rise in this way? Do I go like this? Like in the police department, you could rise up and become an officer like that. But it's not exactly like whether you are part of the, my generation, our generation, which is like jobs change every two years. Mm. And you have to figure out whether you're doing a version of your old one, which is connected to what you've studied, let's say, or what you were trained to do, or you're going to use this and improvise and come up with something new that is your own, more of your own business, work from home, work in a company. Jobs like police work, I think, have a certain kind of comfort that's, that's, that's connected to the pension mm -hmm. in that way, that you are in this institution. Academia is the same way. Mm -hmm. I think you have a comfort level. If you get, if you can make it to tenure, which is not, it's difficult to come by. Yeah, right yeah, that's the thing. I'm speaking from the perspective of the son of a administrator, not a teacher. Mm. So yeah, that was more of a fluid, fluid landscape for someone who kept doing the right thing and doing his job well, yeah. and rising quickly. Yeah, it's different. <laughs> it's different now. Um, considering how expensive school is, it's it's weird that it, it's so difficult to make a living so, as you know, a teacher or a professor. Yeah. I think in terms of uh, basic income, in terms of what you're talking about, I think school is also, as foundational, mm -hmm. a topic. And the fact that there is this money connected to education is just blasphemous. Oh, yeah. It's just completely but, I mean, insulting. Like, it's, well, but it, but what's it, what better way? Because it's twofold. To they, accomplish your to goal. To accomplish your goal. Absolutely. By making you not smart enough to ask yeah, questions. Yeah, exactly. Make you literally attach suffering to learning. Mm-hmm. That's what they did. They made they made us pay to learn, pay in every way, mm -hmm. in terms of like having no money now, no money down the road, no hope, and the jobs are changing, so we don't even know if we're studying the thing that's going to be right for us later on. We're going to have to do some weird finagling shit to, to make this work. And we don't know if what we're studying now is even going to be relevant in right. four years when we graduate because industries are changing so rapidly. Right. The stuff that I learned mm -hmm. is pretty is useless now. And, right. I mean, it was kind of useless also when I, when I graduated <laughs> into, into the recession of 07. My like, shit was, was completely useless from the beginning, I want to yeah. be clear. Well, <laughs> Mine really was. Mine really was. Yeah. Um, but Humanities degree. Fuck cares. <laughs> it's like, why do they even give these out anymore? Yeah. To go into academia is what you're supposed to do. Yeah, which I had no interest in doing, but I was like, I was a music student, and I had six years of piano, and y'all still making me start with theory one. I had six years of classical piano. Why are you not letting me advance? Yeah. I can use my time. They just want to suck the money out of me. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, so I left the music department. Yeah. And I was like, this is bullshit. I'll play music with my friends, and there's no reason to go to music for school anyway. Mm. Why would you go to art school? I said while well, in art school. Yeah. So I took electives, and then I had this one amazing class who was the cultural studies, intro to cultural studies, and this teacher was unbelievable. So I was like, this makes no sense, but I'm going to learn something. Yeah. It has nothing to do with my career, not because I don't even know why I'm here. Mm -hmm. None of this makes sense. Hmm. You know, that's like, that was kind of like, I just found something that I could actually work hard at while I was there, but I did not want to be in school hmm. at all. Interesting. No interest in it. Well, business school is what got me to trying to understand people because I, I there was one class that was like, um, 
it was like a marketing class. It was like intro to marketing and you have to understand people's brains to Mm -hmm. understand how to sell to them. Yeah. And that's when I got interested in people's brains. You know what I mean? And and that's what I would like to do now. And what we do is talk about how people's brains brain, you know, (laughs) how they they brain, how they brain, you know, brain brain is a verb. I don't know if you guys know that brain is a verb. (laughs) So, so that's what I do now. Brain's got a brain. Brain, brain's got a brain. Colonizer's got a colonizer. Brain's got a brain, you know, <laughs> right, right. But uh, but yeah. So I was like, okay, I, I had, I, and I still am entrepreneurial in spirit, and I still, you know, I've been a freelancer forever, which technically makes me my own business. But um, it, that's really what got me into, um, I would say, more sociology. I'm interested in psychology in the in terms of how it influences sociology. Oh. I'm, I'm more interested in in how societies run and how culture changes and how people right. develop their how people develop their their traumas and their triggers and and their preferences. That's mm-hmm. why I like to talk about preferences a lot. Do we, sure. do we know where they came from? Blah blah right. blah. Right. That's why I like to talk about that stuff. Yeah. Psychology is interesting to me, but it's but I don't think that you can talk about a social like human beings are social creatures. So how can you talk about an individual without understanding the system that they grew up in? Because mm-hmm. your culture, whether you grew up in a culture or on alone on a desert island. Either way, it affects your psyche. Sure, being alone as a as a as a um a, a social creature affects you. Yeah, growing up in any culture or society affects you. Sure. So yeah. Right, 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 right. Yeah, well, we were talking also about the experiences having affecting the genome earlier too. Yeah, we we're talking about epigenetics and, yeah. and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. About how no, I I didn't know that we're, that they had kind of <coughs> rooted it back in like to human testing, right. but I knew a long time ago. They actually were testing rats, and they mm-hmm. would take these rats who ran this particular maze the fastest. They would run them, do the, do the same maze over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And they take the rats that ran through this maze the fastest, and they would breed them. Right. And then they would clock their kids. They would mm-hmm. test their kids only the first time they ran the maze that they had never run before. Right. And the the offspring of the rats that ran the maze the fastest ran the maze the fastest. And the ones who right. were who came from rats that had never run that maze right. were slower. Right. Even though none of those babies had ever run that maze. Before. Sure. So right. They, I guess so you. it kind of started that, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like that's interesting. Yeah, and it definitely everybody would go into a chicken and the egg kind of moment in that too. It would be like, well, what were the rats? Parents also just faster rats. Right. Were they just faster? <laughs> Do they have like a greater you know, sense of smell? What are the variables? Right, you know. Right. Was it like Lance Armstrong and you know? Well, he was cheating. Al- Zach Galifianakis. Like, was it a race between those two? Like, you know. <laughs> Zach Galifianakis. I like Zach Galifianakis. I do too. <laughs> if I ever meet him, he'll be like, "Fuck you." <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah. Like, is it? I wonder about that, but I think that I I also believe that it is happening. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what's going on, mm-hmm. and that that makes complete sense to me. Yeah, genetic memories. I, I genetic memory is is it's very interesting because it's only a hop, skip, and a jump away from Avatar spiritual stuff. Sure. Like it's not, and that, and also we talked about. Um, we remember we went we went out with your friend, and remember how I was trying to I was bar? trying to remember that day? word, and then he said it. Do you remember the no, last time we were, the word. When we, we, when were, we were down? We were talking at the about bar. quantum. We were talking about quantum. Quantum, uh, quantum physics. Yes, but it was the Doctor Quantum, the 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 it, atoms splitting up and the way they traveled, and if there was a camera present. No, when one changed, the other one changed. No matter how far away it was, instantaneously, it was that. Oh yeah, yeah, that what, part. Of what, it. what was the phrase that we couldn't think of that he said? 
Oh, I don't remember that at all. Is it not like you the theory, you, you theory of relativity or something? No! <laughs> no! It was, um... Is it, uh, aloe vera? Oh my god. I'm gonna punch you in the face. It's so fucking hard. It's oh. okay, that's kind of hot. Oh, well, yeah, that's right. I keep forgetting you're a, you're a switch. I keep forgetting. You like that. Okay, how am I gonna annoy you? I'll just be I like... Just really... want a fair fight, that's all. No, well... I just want... <laughs> To choke me a little. I don't know. <laughs> um, um, quantum entanglement. That was what he said. Quantum entanglement. Yeah, it doesn't That's, ring a bell at all. But. We were talking. We were talking about that. Okay. And after the last, um, it kind of sounds like the name of an orgy party. Well, that's only because because you know? Jada Pinkett Smith ruined the word entanglement forever. Mm. So before you wouldn't okay. have, you wouldn't have Fair said enough. that if she Fair hadn't done, if she hadn't said what she said. Fair enough, you're right. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, we were trying to think of that phrase, and then we ran into him, and he just like said it at it. Right. It was just like yeah, that's exactly right. what we were trying to talk about. Mm-hmm. But um, but you were talking about quantum physics and quantum mechanics and quantum entanglement and how like what we understand science to be breaks down when you get to those tiny measurements like sure. the, the understanding of physics we have now doesn't work at okay. that level okay and it kind of starts to nip at the bud of spirituality a little bit so this so kind of right. the same thing with like passing down your trauma to the next generation passing down your memories right. through genetics and the next generation it kind of like scratches at the surface a little bit of energy and right. of spirituality and of right. things in the 3d not being the only realm yeah you know what i mean and i'm other... fascinated by that specifically yeah. yeah your eyes don't say that but your mouth <laughs> your mouth did though your, i really am your eyes like, just I got real know. shifty when you said that i didn't even realize yeah i was trying to see it when i was saying <laughs> it i was like wait a minute how do i talk about this while thinking about it because like i'm thinking through space okay space time yeah <laughs> like i want to know like i love flatland the whole thing about Flatland. What is that? Carl Sagan um, came up with a wonderful way to sort of, well, I think it's wonderful, uh, to describe what uh, the fourth dimension might be to three-dimensional beings. Mm. He is also, to be clear, a three-dimensional being himself, like mm. the rest of us. He's Hopefully. not a four-dimensional being. As far as we know. As far as we know. <laughs> but uh, he said, in order to figure out how difficult it is to see the fourth dimension, or how impossible, or how whatever, imagine being a two-dimensional being that can't see a three-dimension, three-dimensional being. So in that case, he tells a story about Flatland. There are all these neighbors, they're in this little town, and it's a piece of construction paper that's flat with a bunch of other construction paper shapes on it that are like in this town. And instead of a house, it's just, you know... A square with a, square a triangle with a little on top. door that yeah. swings open. And there's triangle-shaped people or, you know, circle-shaped people just to make it all very clear that they're all in this town. Because um, you need different people, you know. It's gotta be different. <laughs> can't can't be racist to write right. about the shape of the Right, thing. can't let these circular people in here. This is a triangle house. <laughs> Get those trapezoids <laughs> out of my house right now. We don't like your kind around here. Parallelograms, right. absolutely. My daughter not. will never date a trapezoid. No hexagons. We don't. We can't have nothing with more than five sides. I don't believe in it. I don't believe in it. I don't believe, unless one of them sides is a curve. <laughs> Yeah, anyway, so... <laughs> what is a curve other so, than a hexagon with infinite sides? There you go. Well, it's a gon. <laughs> it's, it's a, a gon. It's a polygon. <laughs> Just a gon. <laughs> yeah, it's a gon. But so they, you see this, uh, the story shows one triangle, I think, like, you know, being in the town square, leaves the town square, the door opens to his little square house, and then goes in, door closes, 
And a three-dimensional being, which he uses like a stuffed animal panda in the video, is like watching this from above. None of these other two-dimensional beings can see the three-dimensional being watch them, but he can see them, mm-hmm. you know, and so he's just floating above this. Sorry, they can see them. And the, the stuffed animal, you know, representing this three-dimensional being is watching all this happen, decides to make contact with the lone triangle and floats down to that two-dimensional plane. And what the triangle sees is nothing and then the shape of the feet, the shape of the ankles, the shape of mm-hmm. slices, slices yeah. of this being. Think of it like a 3D printer. Yeah. Making, yeah. Like, going in layers, going up. Exactly like that. Yeah. Exactly like that. And just, but in this two-dimensional big space doesn't know what up is. So this being looks like it appeared out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. So to describe ghosts and all these other things and anomalies that people say that came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. That was from the fourth dimension or beyond. Yeah. And we just didn't have the tools mm-hmm. to see it coming. Mm-hmm. So that's what I love about the way that that actually, yeah. the end of the story, like the, the panda gets upset that the triangle isn't responding. So he just goes from underneath and lifts him up. And the, now this, this uh, triangle is floating and has never even experienced up before mm-hmm. and has no idea what's going on and then lands in the town square to everyone else. It looks like he appeared out of nowhere. So that's like a really, it was a really wonderful way to describe not only like one person, but a community reacting to things they don't know. Right. Don't understand. Yeah. Flatland. Flatland. I like it. Yeah. That sounds similar to what uh, spiritual and crazy people say. (laughs) Both both together and separately. Hey, I've been called worse. I've been, well, you know what my favorite line is? I've been called worse by better. (laughs) But yeah, that's, it's very, um, it's really cool because the the people I'm going to visit back in Florida, one of my, one of of my friends who I, at the time had not seen in six years because once I left Florida, I think I went back once within six years and I didn't happen to see that, that person when I went back. But after the pandemic, I've made it a point to go back. And in that time that we were apart from each other, like they had their spiritual awakening. Okay. I had I had already kind of like I pretty much got into spirituality I would say pretty quickly after getting out of college again I don't know how okay. I just ran into the people and ran I was like spirit. I just ran into it and so it was really cool to have these conversations where like you don't have to you don't have to do this all like I know this is gonna sound really crazy and like I don't want you to judge you don't have to do any of that it's mm-hmm. just like you just say what it is and it's sure. like okay, cool. Like either you've experienced that or you don't. And usually I've experienced it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I've been, I've been there and it's like, it's like, you know, you know that, you know. Right. Right. So one thing that she, that she said to me that was really cool is she was at a bar and all of a sudden there was a pair of glasses in her lap. She's Mm. sitting at the bar and there's people around and she's like, where the fuck did these glasses come from? Are these your glasses to the person next to her? No. Are these your glasses to the okay. other person next to her? No. Is the, are these your glasses the bartender? Did anyone lose their glasses? No. And she's like, you know what? I've, got, I've gone to a place in my journey where I'm like, someone in another dimension is missing their glasses and it's okay. <laughs> I'm just going to take these glasses and Speaking put them of over shit here. Crazy say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, yeah, yeah like stuff like that happens. Right. So you lose things and you know where you've looked for them and they're not there. And then when you stop looking, eventually you find them and it's in a place where you know you looked. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, stu- that kind of stuff. Okay. Well, then we have to pause. I'm okay, going to make pause. a quick plug. Okay. What's your plug? Uh, a movie called Wrist Cutters. I've seen that. Have you seen it? Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. That's so amazing. It's perfect. <laughs> I've seen it. Yeah, the black hole in the car. Yeah. 
yeah, where it disappears I, and you never I, find it that's again. exactly what i call it too under yeah. the seat <laughs> under yeah the seat, it's just yeah like, the under the seat space where yeah. it just goes into the nether world yep <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely and that movie is so wonderful it's uh it's uh for everyone out there it's a movie where basically everyone who commits suicide doesn't exactly die they go to a type of purgatory mm-hmm. that is only populated by other people who committed suicide yeah so they're stuck with each other Yes. And everyone looks exactly like they did when they killed themselves. So, like, the barista had, like, the back of his head blown out. Mm-hmm. And, like, the bartender, you know what I mean, was, like, I don't know, had, you know, it was kind of like a noose around his neck Yeah, or it's, been a lo- it's been a long time. Yeah. The, and the whole thing about the world is it's just like real life but worse. Right. It's just like that tinge of sadness mm-hmm. and extra depression yeah. that lingers in this version of Earth or world or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah, it's just got that... That there's no hope feeling. Yeah, but there really is no because there's really there there is a way to escape. So the so the movie is right. about how do they escape from right. this purgatory? Right. That's what they're trying to do the whole time. Yeah, the journey is trying to accomplish that. Yeah. Yeah. They keep talking about the PIC, the people I, in charge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And there is a and and part of it is um, releasing your attachment. So like some some person some mentor that they meet along the way is able to like light their cigar their cigarette with a match and when they let it go it floats up yeah like there's yeah, a whole yeah. thing about like how did you do that because apparently gravity is still a thing right but it's like right it's just like you stop caring like you mm-hmm. stop and eventually they like the guy just like is just able to it's kind of like going zen they're kind of telling telling you to like right become zen become, and go beyond and be and be detached and he's yeah. able to do it and he's and he's but the thing is he's not thinking about it he lights his whatever he's got in his mouth and he just throws the match away and it goes up and he barely even notices right. by the end of the movie. Right, right, right. I forgot about that. Yeah. I remember that because I, I'm i not sure that I understood it. <laughs> yeah, it's a really wonderful, it's like, it's kind of a joke, kind of an observation, kind of philosophical, kind of a parlor trick, but yeah. it's wonderful. I yeah. really love, I love that. It's an older, now it's an older movie. It's like 2006 or seven or something. That is an older movie, I'm not, sir. I'm not disagreeing. Sir. I'm just saying, the year. How old do you feel? Um, <laughs> depends on what time of day you ask me. Yeah, okay. <laughs> depends on how many cars I've hit with my bike. <laughs> depends on if I'm going to work later or not. Yeah. I feel a lot older on work days. <laughs> yeah. Um, that movie was great. And I can't remember the name of the woman who we fell in love with in the movie, but she was so beautiful. The woman who, yeah, I don't remember. Not the, not the woman that he was like already, like it was his girlfriend, the woman that he fell in love with in the movie. The woman who, who said, I'm not supposed to be here. Yeah. She's like, she kept saying, I'm not supposed right. to be here, I'm not supposed right. to be here. Right, right. She wasn't trying to commit suicide, yeah. she accidentally overdosed. Yeah. Which to me is a huge oversight. I don't think... It doesn't it make should... sense that there's an oversight like that I, in the department I, I of, guess so. Like, but, it's like the DMV of souls. It is, but the thing is, I am, um, at that time, uh, the good place was not a thing yet. So oh, I didn't yeah, yeah. so I didn't understand like sure. why wouldn't there be clear cut rules about this? But right. well, since I've seen the good place it it does make sense that the bureaucracy would would not be doing a good job of overseeing their rules. I guess you. I guess just as a Jew, I foresaw operational hazards. Okay. And uh, it's just part of our genetic uh, memories that we have from others. Like, listen, you've got to be running this. It's uh, it's really an operation. Yeah. Oh, you know, but yeah, she kind of looked like a this like shorter haired version of Helena Bonham Carter to me. Oh, you call her Helena? Is that her, her name? Helena Bonham Helena. Carter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Helena. I don't know. I honestly don't know. Her, I don't want to, I think I know who it is, but I don't know her name. She looks a little bit like, I think, Ruby Rose. She's got that, like, she has, like, really structured face oh, and short okay, hair. Oh, okay, I can see that. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. A li- uh, it's kind of leaning toward that, is right. from what I remember. Right. But uh, but yeah, interest- interesting movie. Yeah, definitely. I love that. It was just so many funny parts, and Tom Waits is in it. So he's the darker version of Randy Newman in mm. terms of like you know you know topics and shit. We'll come back because they're both white. Uh, oh, so. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's the only thing they have in common. Uh, <laughs> they're both white. I said darker version, and I was like, that's not how I should have said that. <laughs> but I mean, he's not he's not wrong, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, oh, what, 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 is there anything in particular that you wanted to circle back to, or, or a new topic? We've got ten minutes. Okay. Um, there wasn't anything in particular that I was thinking of. Something you wanted to go over before we're done? I could, you know, we could just like talk it out and figure it out. Yeah. So um, I'm looking forward to some pork as well. Ooh. Actually, let me just put that back in. And then take we'll, it out. We'll do our last ten minutes. Okay. Yeah. But um, I was doing a survey, and uh, sometimes they ask you to write out a paragraph answering a question, I guess, because they want to see if you pay attention and if you're intelligent. Right. So one of the, this question I've never gotten before, it said, if you found a magic lamp on the beach and rubbed it and a genie came out and gave you three, you three wishes, what These would you These people are reaching. Jesus you, Christ. What would your three wishes be? God. So I answered the question, and then I, after that, I told my aunt what my three wishes were, and kind of you know proposed the same question to her. And she's like, I have, I have to really sit down and think about it because I want to know what the consequences of my wish would be, and I don't think I could just come come up with something on the fly. Wow. So I'm going to tell you what my three wishes were, okay. and then ask you what you think, and if you that have sounds great three wishes. So, yeah. And and there were no caveats of any kind. Like they just what I said is what they said. Okay. So my first wish. And, oh, and they said they could. You could give yourself the wishes, or you could give you know dole them out to other people. Right. So I said my first wish would be for me to have all the powers of a genie without any of the drawbacks. There you go. <laughs> nice. Well done. Well so, done. Hundred percent. So, so Turn the game on its head. Yeah. So that that was that was that. I'm and on then, board. And then after that, I said, okay, I would want every single person to be able to conjure whatever food they wanted to out of nothing, and have the knowledge that they could do this instantly. Okay. The third one was I wanted to... You got like part A and part B for your wish number two. I said, well, I did say and. <laughs> I said, blah, 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 and, and, and this one is also going to have like, a, it's going to be a little bit longer. Right. But again, they didn't say you couldn't have right. part this B. This one got like four semicolons in it. Yeah, uh, you know. Part three. Some hyphens. <laughs> um, so this one, no person would be able to physically harm another person. As they were going through the action of trying to uh, be violent to another person, they would either be paralyzed or they would stop. And and the only thing they would be able to do was speak, and they would have to say out loud the thing they were planning on doing. So uh-huh. you could still hold them accountable and incarcerate them or segregate them from society uh, instead of just having people who are out here trying to hurt other people and would but just can't. Right. You still want to separate them from society. That's so crazy. When you were saying that, I was like vitriol. I was like, I was like completely against what you were saying. It was hilarious. I was like, no, no. Some people need violence. In my head, like my gut. I was like, (laughs) you know. But more so, I was more like, okay, she's going with no no violence at all. So this is, to me, the first thing I thought that was a clear thought that was not emotional and affected was like, that's a tall order. Not in terms of how it's difficult to accomplish, even, mm-hmm. but more in terms of like, we're dealing this right now in terms of discussions about raising children. Mm-hmm. 
and how uh, we've talked a little bit about this, but how hitting kids is, you know, like not the best viewed <laughs> the way that it was before, uh-huh. you know? And, uh, well, that's interesting. The way that you and I just described those things too, I'm like, it's not what used to happen. You're like, it's also not, not good. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I'm just talking about how it used to happen and now it doesn't happen. Yeah. There was no value. I didn't say anything about good yet. Yeah. It wasn't. <laughs> so basically you were making a, you were not making a qualitative not assessment. A, I was, yeah, I, I was, was qualified. I was doing nothing. I was not commenting on the morality of it at all. Yeah. Just in terms of how common it was yes. versus how common it is. Right. And probably tell from my tone of voice that I haven't really totally come to the solid conclusion. That it's bad. Yeah, that it's bad. Mm-hmm. Because to me, there, there's always been a difference in terms of um, what you're doing. Like, when I was growing up, I wasn't hit on the regular. Uh-huh. My mother did plenty with her voice. Mm. And uh, she's a soprano. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, she's got very good vocal control. Yeah. And I was hit twice. My entire childhood, just two times. And you and preferred that to the yelling. No, actually, <laughs> okay. the thing was, it wasn't that even those times were bad. They were so surprising. Because I think that, in my case, it's not a fair comparison. People who were hit on the regular, mm. part of it was actually the worry, the fear, the anticipation of it. Mm-hmm. I never anticipated it because it only happened twice. Mm. But in this case, uh, I told my friend this story about one of the times that it happened. and My mom slapped me in the face. Okay. Yeah. And my friend was like, that doesn't sound like discipline. Mm-hmm. You know, that sounds like she was involved in that moment personally mm-hmm. and emotionally. Mm-hmm. And that she was treating me like an adult or like mm-hmm. it was just like, you know, this kind of thing. Like, you hurt me. How dare you hurt me? Mm-hmm. Not like, I need you to understand. Never do this. Mm-hmm. I never thought about that. I never thought about that when it happened. And I don't know if I would have made that distinction because a lot of the things that I received from her were non-physical but felt similar. Yeah. That I wasn't being treated as a child. I was being treated as an adult way too early. Yeah. In terms of how things were being handled. But so the difference between physical, the violence part of it, and words didn't make any difference to me at all. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that I don't see that difference. Yeah. You know, it's just like, I, I don't, I don't, um... I just don't know how you can make sure kids aren't afraid of running out into the street without scaring them a little bit. <laughs> Does that require... First... I'll use my voice. I'll be good yeah, at using yeah, my voice. Yeah, you're right. Does it require violence? I won't need to use violence, my hands. Right. No, I don't think so. I think I can use my voice. But what if my kid gets used to my voice? Listen, this is why we, you know, we need to have more kids. You're going to lose some. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> well, I mean, why do you think they're telling this? Is just have a, cu- have a couple extra in the back, you know? I, I got used to my mother's yell. I told her that. Mm-hmm. At one point, I was like, you don't, you don't scare me at all. If dad screamed, I'd be scared. Yeah. You don't do that anymore. It's just, it's just a background noise now. Yeah. Literally, like, I told her that when I was like 16, 17. I don't, I don't know why that, but like, I, I just worry that the kid will... You know, not hear what I'm trying to tell him and that what I'm trying to tell him is valuable. And that... Well, just like what you said, if your dad had yelled, you would know that some, so this is something's happening. Right. Because he doesn't yell. Because he doesn't yell. Right. So if you're not the kind of parent who yells, yes. then when it comes right. to not running out into the street without right. looking, if that's the first time you hear it, it will like shake your world. That makes sense. So basically what it sounds like to me that you're saying, I don't know if you are saying this, but it sounds like you're saying that if you are a person who is striving not to use anything but their voice and their words, yeah, 
you're probably going to be okay. There may be a time where you literally have to grab your kids by the arm because they're about to jump into the street. We're not talking about that. No. But we're talking about repetitive uses of uh, violent, of, of physical action as your go-to mm-hmm. to make sure the child understands something. Right. And it, I, I agree that that is not, in my mind, at all necessary. You know, for, for some people it's what they learned or it's the easiest thing for them to do because it will it will get a response the younger they are. Right. It will get the response because you're so much bigger than them and you're yeah. and you're this big scary thing that can physically hurt them. So right. like it, it works quote unquote works in the short term. Sure. But like you eventually they're gonna get used and it doesn't matter how hard how hard you punch your kid. Right. How violent you are, as long as you don't kill them, yeah, eventually the they will get used to it. Absolutely. You know, and just yeah. be like, Yeah, you know, he's kicking the shit out of me yesterday. I don't even feel that anymore. Right. And it's like that's yeah. not Good. And going to spend all the years afterwards trying to figure that out. Trying to, you know, right. trying to undo, untangle all of that entanglement. Right. <laughs> yeah, know. maybe they won't even have a chance because they'll get arrested for punching someone else because mm-hmm. they were trained to do that when they were younger. Yeah. And blah, blah, blah. Or, or And never never were able to develop any other kinds of coping mechanism. Right. And, right. and whatever it is that triggered them, like... You know, some people right. just fly into a rage and see red and don't remember what they do. Right. Some right, people right. are very calculated. Right. You know, like there's there's all, but so so the the reason that I that I chose stopping the physical action as opposed to changing the person's mind is once you get into people's minds, I feel yeah. I feel like that's like too intrusive. It it can be, but it's I think it's twofold. It's, maybe it's too intrusive, but also it's a mind. The idea that you understand someone else's yeah is a tall order. Yeah. Like, it's just not, I, I really hesitate to do that. I don't know what the consequences would have been. I know what the consequences of wanting to do something and just not being able to do it are. Just the thing doesn't happen. doesn't mean the desire isn't there. Right, right, right. I'm not going to, so, sure. that, so that's just why I chose that is like, the, the, the Japan, the Japan thing of like, yeah. if we just aren't violent, that mm-hmm. would be a great place to start. Sure. So if, if, so if we lived in a society where we were just not afraid of violence, right. I think it would... It would allow for a lot more discourse. It would allow for a lot more back and forth. Yeah, I still don't think so. We can still yell at each other. We can still call each other names. We just are not able to hurt each other physically. Yeah, the meaning of yelling changes when violence, as you know, is not an option. What does that mean? It means that that escalation builds in a certain way. And that your, your assessment, your calculation of how afraid you should be has to do with what risk you're involved with. So someone's yelling and they're really, really upset, but you know there's a glass divider between you and them spiritually forever, mm-hmm. and they're never going to cross it. They can yell their fucking head off. I don't have to care. Yeah, that's I'm saying right. that like a lot of people would learn from verbal confrontations, and they would listen, and they would grow from it, and a lot of people would not. And fear is the uh, maybe the most basic... And maybe, uh, you know, in many ways, the worst uh, way to, to transmit a message. But I don't see a world where it's possible to live without that as, as a tool in some cases. Fear. As a tool to transmit information. Hmm. Like, stop fucking with me. Hmm. Like, I will not let you fuck with me anymore. Or whatever it is that you're dealing with. Like, we should all be using our words. I just think that it seems to be that, like... If there are 7 billion people on this earth, that 4 billion are predisposed to not listening. We're what? I think we're at 8 billion. 
Eight <laughs> That was what was upsetting you? Yes. The number? Yes. Oh, my God. As, as an antinatalist. We're at eight billion now. <laughs> and in my mind, if there's eight billion people out here, that means that on any given day, at least four billion are not listening. And that, to me, is like, that can change community by community, society by society over time. Yeah. But I think that especially now, when everybody's looking at their phones while walking forward and not really connecting on an intimate level, but looking at profiles and details and specs and all kinds of things like that, and there's no trust out there at all. People are dealing with a lot of really heavy shit out in the open, which is good, but right now it's really kind of confrontational in that way in terms of interpersonal relationships between customers and employees, between uh, uh, spouses, partners, all that kind of stuff, and family members. In every way, we are at odds with each other. Right now, even more than we were 10 years, 20 years ago, and all that. So this creates a world where listening is, 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 is a privilege. It's not even... It's, you're so far away from being in a conversation where two people are listening on a regular basis. And so in that world, to say you can't use violence at all, it's like, I respect the urge to get rid of violence. How the hell are we going to listen to each other? How the hell are we going to transmit this information? Because I don't believe that everyone's truly listening. I don't believe that the same generation that has really put um, uh, society to the test in terms of gender identity, in terms of racial politics in so many ways... We have all, uh, we're in the state right now where we're terrified. I think a lot of people have just like, um, saying the wrong thing. But why? Why are we terrified of saying the wrong thing? I know I'm terrified. Not, not of saying the wrong thing, but of... And that's very significant. The reason why is very Why? Is because, yeah. is because I don't want to incite violence from a crazy person. Right. <laughs> Whereas other people don't understand that that is a much more significant threat than being worried about, let's say, being looked at a certain way mm-hmm. or losing a job mm-hmm. or whatever it may be. And those two things need to be understood. It's just that I still don't see how people will learn otherwise. But maybe we just get rid of violence and we see. It just... I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a theoretical question for a reason. It's, yeah. you know, to just want to see how your mind works. So the way my mind works is you see where my baseline is, which is violence. Right, like once right, you, right. when you get rid of that, then you can start building it. Violence is not the base. It seems like for you, it's not yeah. the foundational thing. There's other stuff <clears throat> and violence yeah. and violence for, for you has a purpose in some, in some cases. I see, I see the purpose of it so far. Yeah. 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 I see the purpose of it so far. Okay. That's how I feel about it. I see that like, and even violence itself, the word like, it's, it's like, I don't even know if I agree with that own statement in terms of like, if, is there a pot, is it possible to use your physical self to force a situation on someone else and for it not to be violence? In other words, oh. if your kid is running out into the street yeah. and you grab them, yeah. is that violence on your kid? Because right. in terms of how they feel kind of absolutely, yeah. um, you know, and that's kind of what I'm talking about. Like, or if you are. Um, like really we're talking about the mental, emotional truth of these moments. So if I'm inflicting violence on my attackers, is that violence? Well, I mean, they have like they, they, of course they, they call it defense. No, no, they can't, but they can't, they can't attack you in this world, in this world without violence. They can't physically right. attack you. It right. would, but if, but if they're like harassed, if they're, right. 
group harassment, you know. Exactly. <laughs> so I think that maybe this is just like, to me, it's not about better or worse. It's about choice. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's just about having been a man's world for a long time. And, you know what I mean, in terms of that, like, when I was studying in college and I took these classes that all sounded like classes that I was just taking to get laid, but they were just because (laughs) I had electives. Basically, it was like, one was called Exploring the Goddess. Okay. (laughs) Goddess-worshipping cultures. Oh, okay. okay. But I was like, this is amazing. I don't want to hear about Jesus and Moses anymore. Like, let's (laughs) see what the fuck is going on. So... With your dusty balls. I wanted to know (laughs) what a female religion looked like. Mm -hmm. Because that blew my mind. Mm -hmm. And our teacher was from Malta. Mm -hmm. And Malta apparently had uh, goddess-worshipping cultures on it for a long time. She uh, she spoke in a British accent because the... Malta was conquered by everybody. Colonizers got to colonize. And the last <laughs> colonizers were the British. So, uh, but she was like 6'2". It's a tall-ass woman. Wow. Uh, teaching us about, like, you know, female gods. And um, one thing she told us was, like, in, in Malta, there was, like, a thousand-year period where there was no war, when there was a goddess-worshipping culture. And even in college, I still had a joke come into my head immediately. I was like, yeah, all the warfare was emotional. It was all mental. But is that not, I mean... That's I the thing. I don't, I don't agree. Me. I think that I would, there are many cases where I either have a bruise than a two-month-long question in my mind about how I fucked up in this circumstance. Mm-hmm. I'd rather have someone slap me than make me think about something and ponder and wonder and break some shit down mm-hmm. for two years because... But not explain why. Just sort of torment me emotionally because we're talking about warfare. We're not talking about communication. <laughs> Like, if you get rid of the violence, violence is the thing on the surface. Mm-hmm. It is the action that doesn't say anything to address mm-hmm. the, the state, the mental and emotional state of the people in our society. We're just mm-hmm. talking about not physically hurting each other. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about hurt itself. No. We will continue to hurt each other. Yes. Because we are people <laughs> and we fail sometimes mm-hmm. or we choose, that life. choose to hurt people. <laughs> yeah. And so, to me, I don't, I, I don't yet see that difference. Yeah. You know. And, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm a woman, so I see the difference. <laughs> right, right, right. It's like, it's like, I it's would rather so... not have a bruise or be punched. I'd rather, you know. Right, I get it. I think that, like, if I was, you know, it's so interesting because on the one hand, like, you're saying, yes, I'm a woman. I, I, I see the difference. <laughs> and I'm yeah. thinking, and I'm thinking, me too. Because sometimes women are, like literally will become less attracted what do you mean? without the element of like that fear factor without the element of, and this is a great point to actually pause and we're going to do a whole thing about this, but the, one of the insecurities that men have is not being able to protect. Oh, you okay. Know? So like if you take away physical violence, that poses a very interesting question mm-hmm. in terms of masculinity. Mm-hmm. very interesting question is like how do you and it's it's almost it almost makes me agree with you even more it's like how much more could guys get done <laughs> <laughs> if we weren't worried about making sure that we're standing on the right side of the street and walking with our shoulders a certain way making sure that we even even if even even before anything happens that we present an energy don't fucking fuck with me right now mm-hmm. and just lead with that as opposed to you know, maybe I could just be thinking about, you know, science or, um, you know, when's the last time I called my mother or whatever interpersonal relationships, you know what I mean? Things that are going well. Yeah. I'm not disputing that it doesn't get in the way of emotional development, but this is the world that is, that we have. Mm-hmm. So, 
That's really interesting, though. The wish to not have violence. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. We're definitely in the right country for that. Yeah. Uh, we, well, I would say that I would start our next episode with me giving my three answers. Yeah, yeah. I won't do it Your this three one. wishes. Yeah, my we'll three do wishes. That. Thank you so much for joining us on our super mega overstuffed large extra cheese Ooh, um, super sized. <laughs> I don't remember the word the words I said. Ooh, super mega overstuffed. <laughs> Magnum <Damn>. XL. <laughs> Ripped for her pleasure. I got a story that felt like that. <laughs> yeah, you do. Uh, you got lots of stories. This, I mean, if you like the stories he tells on the podcast, we can the stories he tells off the podcast. My lord, riveting. Uh, thank we'll you so get there. Much. Yeah, we will. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Everything's Fine. Thank you. With Georgia. And Yoni's also here. And Yoni's here, too. I suppose. Yoni, who loves violence. Oh, God. <laughs> right. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Right. Or, I don't know. My tweet about that was really bad, too, after the slap. That was the one. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Oh boy! Yeah, it was about is is one is one is is one slap really violence? And I said, is after all, it, I should have stopped here. But mm-hmm. the first thing that was actually after all, one piece of romaine is not a salad. Oh, uh, that's kind. Of, that's actually pretty funny. <laughs> it's, it's like anti-escalation. Mm-hmm. It's like escalation is real. That's mm-hmm. how violence becomes a thing. Mm-hmm. I kept going, and that was if I had stopped there, it would have been okay. Yeah, but, but you, kept you kept going. I kept going. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll talk about it. We'll be in touch. Until, yep. Until next time. Be well. Or don't. You know. Whatever. Either, either way. Right. Be however you are. Sometimes it sucks. Sometimes it's great. Yep. All right. Bye. Latest. <laughs>